If you've been with us the entire summer, you know that right now we're coming to the climax of the Apostle Paul's letter to the Galatians. And all summer we've been talking about how he wrote this letter to a group of people who he wanted to make sure had an understanding. And this week and next week, we're going to talk about what that understanding is. We are freed to be free. Now, if you're thinking, isn't that a bit redundant? Isn't the purpose of freedom to be set free? Those are good questions, and, and actually, you're, you're right. But unfortunately, both for the Galatians and sometimes for us, being set free doesn't actually mean that we live in freedom. So if you haven't been with us all summer, in fact, if you're new here, you're watching for the very first time, we're so glad you're with us. Welcome. And if you have been in and out and you don't really know exactly what's been going on, let me catch you up. So in the first four chapters of the letter to the Galatians, it's six chapters long, in the first four chapters, Paul has been making a very important point, and that is you have been set free by Jesus Christ. Paul had gone to Galatia. He had taught the, the good news of Jesus Christ. People had received it. The church had started. They'd been set free from sin and death by Jesus' blood shed on the cross by the reality of that truth. And then they had started living in the power of the Holy Spirit. But then two forces started to intervene which threatened to take away their freedom. The first force was intellectual. A group of people known as the Judaizers came in and taught them a new thing. That's where I say it's an intellectual thing. They taught them that what Paul had told them about Jesus being the only source of their salvation, that that's all they needed to be saved, to have a new life, to be able to start again and be freed to be free. They said, no, that's not right. You, you, it's not just Jesus. It's Jesus and the Mosaic law. Paul's response to that was very clear. Why do you want to go back into slavery when God has set you free? It's a very good question. Why would anyone want to go back into slavery when God has set us free? Paul had used several pictures, both from uh, everyday life and from the history of the people of Israel, to explain that God's purpose was to set us free. He kept coming back to this central truth over and over and over again about what the good news of Jesus Christ is. He said, we gain freedom from sin and death only, and I underlined that word for a purpose, only through Jesus Christ. Paul had reminded the Galatian believers that they were children of Abraham from a spiritual standpoint, and Abraham was the founder of the Jewish people, but they were his children through faith. You see, they had claimed salvation in Jesus Christ by faith, and what Abraham had claimed by faith was amazing. God had told Abraham that he was going to be the father of a massive nation, a group of people, even though he was 90 years old and had no children at the time. So that faith that Abraham had was the basis of his relationship with God. It wasn't some law or some rule. In fact, Paul pointed out that 430 years later, when God gave the law to Moses, it didn't cancel out the promise to Abraham. In fact, the promise that God gave to Abraham was going to be fulfilled completely through one of Abraham's descendants. And that descendant was Jesus Christ. Jesus had come to set the Galatians free and actually to set every single person free who ever would trust him as Savior and Lord. And that can include you and me. Paul had reminded the Galatians that they weren't only Abraham's children, they were God's children, the God of the universe. And the reason that we are all God's children, God of the universe's children, is because of what Jesus has already done. We are redeemed by Jesus' blood and we become God's children when we are. That's how we get into the family. Last weekend, Pastor Alex walked us through the most challenging passage, in the, I think, in this whole letter. Because Paul used an allegory from 
from Israel's history. What Paul said was there, there was a promise. God gave a promise to Abraham and Sarah, his wife, that they would have a child, as I said, and they were old. I mean, they're as old as dirt. And they said they believed the promise, but years passed and no son came. So what do you think they did? They do what human beings do. They decided to take matters in their own hand. So what they did was Sarah had a slave girl. Her name was Hagar. And they said, uh, she said to Abraham, why don't you um, have a baby through Hagar? I'm putting that politely because this is uh, a weekend when we're having children dedication here in the worship center. So when I preach the message, I want, if kids are in the, it's kid friendly, if you will. Anyway, we get the idea. What happened is Hagar got pregnant and she had a son. And then as God promised, Sarah had got pregnant and she had a son. And what Paul said is that Hagar's son is is a child of the law, while Sarah's son is a child of the promise. And so here's the thing. We only get to live as God's children when we are children of the promise. We only get to be God's children and have that heritage, if you will, when we are children of Abraham and Sarah, descendants, spiritually speaking, of Abraham and Sarah. So that's where we are today as we pick up Galatians chapter 5, verses 1 to 15. Paul's done offering his illustrations and his analogies. He's going to get to the punchline. You know, I always call the the main point of any letter or any book of the Bible the punchline. He's going to get to the punchline. It's going to take this weekend and next weekend for us to get the full, full picture. But today's focus is on the definition of freedom. What does it mean to be free from sin and death? And what does it mean to be freed from the law? To be freed to be free. What Freed for what? Free, for, free from what? Free for what? What does it mean to be free? So our take-home point gives us an idea of what's the point of being set free. If you're not uh, familiar with the idea of a take-home point, it's the one point I'm making in this scripture, uh, from this scripture, I should say, that's, that we want to take home and live out in the week ahead. So here it is. True freedom in Jesus means living for his glory and everyone's good. Let me say that again. True freedom in Jesus means living for his glory and everyone's good. When we're set free by Jesus' sacrifice, by his blood shed on the cross, by his resurrection from the dead, by his sending of the Holy Spirit to us, then that freedom is not freedom to do whatever we want. It's not license. That's not what freedom means. What it, what it, what it means is something else. And you see... Paul is telling us a little, giving us a little glimpse of what the second danger to our freedom is. The first danger is intellectual, but what's the second danger? It's the danger that the sinful natures inside of us are going to tell us, hey, freedom means I get to do whatever I want. Our sinful nature is going to use that freedom to go in a direction where we're not called to go. And so Paul is telling us right now that we don't want to live in slavery to sin which is what happens when we're free to do whatever we want, nor do we want to do the other thing, which is be in slavery to the law. And it probably is easier to fall into sin than slavery to the law, right? So our freedom in Jesus is freedom to glorify Jesus, or more specifically, God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, and then to serve one another. So before we get to Galatians 5, 1 and 15, which is going to explain that to us, let's pray. God, we thank you so much that you have preserved these letters that the Apostle Paul wrote explaining who we are, whose we are, what we're called to be and do. We thank you that 
even though it was a challenging time for the Galatian church, because of his letter, we can also know how we can be set free. And so as we look into that more uh, completely today and next weekend, we pray for your Holy Spirit to be our true teacher and guide. In Jesus' name, amen. So Christ has truly set us free. Now make sure that you stay free and don't get tied up again in slavery to the law. So this is the very last time that Paul's going to go down this path where he's telling people, don't fall back again into slavery to the law. He wanted us to remember that freedom in Jesus is freedom from the law. Freedom in Jesus is freedom from the law. We don't have to beg God to accept us. We don't have to do something big. We don't have to live a life of drudgery to get God to accept us. In fact, we have God's favor acceptance, love, mercy through Jesus Christ. In many religions, salvation is about what we do. I mean, really, virtually every religion, salvation is about what we do, how good we are, how hard we work. But with God, salvation is about what Jesus has done. Paul invested most of the letter to tell us repeatedly that truth. It's not about what we do. It's about what God has done. He knew that humanity has a tendency to want to be in control, to want to control our own destinies. But this is what Paul knew. God alone is the author of our destinies. Yes, we get to contribute, and yes, we need to live our lives purposely. But God is the one who has established the purpose, and he's the one who freed us so that we can live out our purpose through Jesus Christ and his sacrifice. Paul reminded the Galatians the outcome of living in slavery to the law one final time. Here's what happens when we want to live in slavery to the law. Listen, I, Paul, tell you this. If you are counting on circumcision to make you right with God, then Christ will be of no benefit to you. I'll say it again. If you are trying to find favor with God by being circumcised, you must obey every regulation in the whole law of Moses. For if you are trying to make yourselves right with God by keeping the law, you have been cut off from Christ. You have fallen away from God's grace. Look at those words. They are so important. If we want to please God, we basically have two choices. Number one, we can be perfect. Or number two, we can accept Jesus' perfection on our behalf. A few weeks back, I asked everybody, and I know I can't see your response, but you're there, and I asked you, if you're perfect, to please raise your hand. And I don't think anybody raised your hand. I know when we did it here in the worship center, nobody raised their hand. I certainly didn't raise mine. I'll ask you one more time. Are you perfect? Raise your hand. I don't think so. So that means number one is ruled out, right? We're not going to be perfect. So that means we get to do number two. We accept Jesus' perfection on our behalf. Paul offered that alternative in his next words. He wrote, But we who live by the Spirit eagerly wait to receive by faith the righteousness God has promised to us. So once Jesus becomes Savior and Lord in our lives, we receive the Holy Spirit. Jesus called it being born again. And he said all of us need to be born two ways. First, we need to be born physically. We need to be born, um, he said, of the water, but that's physically. And we need to be born of the Spirit or spiritually. Paul added a key truth, and here it is. Once the Holy Spirit is in us, we must live by his leading. When we do that, we receive God's righteousness in our lives by faith. No more working to do good. No more struggling to be good enough because nobody can ever be good enough if God's standard is perfection, and it is. Thank God, truly thank God that we get to live in the perfection of Jesus by receiving him in our lives by faith. We become God's children through faith in Jesus and receiving his perfection. 
So look what happens when we do that. For when we place our faith in Christ Jesus, there is no benefit in being circumcised or being uncircumcised. What is important is faith expressing itself in love. Now that's a verse we might want to remember because what it tells us is it doesn't matter if we've done everything or we haven't done anything. It really doesn't matter. What matters is simply this. It really is putting our faith in loving, showing our faith by loving God and each other. It always comes down to this. Authentic faith glorifies God and does good for each other. Now, if you're thinking, wait a minute. You said authentic faith glorifies God and does good for each other. But Paul said it's faith expressing itself in love. Exactly. They mean exactly the same thing. You see, love is an action. The way God used it in his vocabulary, love is a verb. And so loving God means glorifying God. It means to do something with our lives that actually glorify God. And loving people means actually doing good for each other. So love is not a feeling. In the scriptures, love is an action, not a feeling. It always, almost always ends up feeling good when we actually exercise love. It's sort of like when we do something that's right, maybe hard, but right. We have that good feeling afterwards. But the love of the Scriptures, the love Paul's talking about right here, is not the kind of love that we see in a romantic movie on television or at the movie theaters. You see, love is work. Trust me. I've been a pastor for more than 37 years, and 20 of them, more than 20 now, right here at New Life. And while I love all of you, it's not always easy to love all of you. Paul's own pastoral side came out again as he wrote these words. You are running the race so well. Who has held you back from following the truth? It certainly isn't God, for he is the one who called you to freedom. So Paul kept going back to that central truth. God calls us to freedom. God wants us to be freed, to be free, to follow him, to glorify him, to serve one another. And Paul used a metaphor that we can all understand, running a race. And what Paul said is, you Galatians, when it comes to running this race of faith, you were way out in front. I mean, you were ready to go. You know, you were ready to break the tape and win. But somebody held you back. Somebody pulled you back. Paul didn't know who it was. But he knew that whoever it was wasn't seeking to do our good, but he was seeking to distract us from God's purpose. You see, it wasn't God holding them back because God always calls us forward and he always urges us forward. Paul honestly didn't know who it was, but he uses another image to explain what happens when we get taken off course when we're running that race of salvation. He said this, this false teaching is like a little yeast that spreads through the whole batch of dough. I'm trusting the Lord to keep you from believing false teachings. God will judge that person, whoever he is, who has been confusing you. So if we think that we could never fall for false teaching or we could never fall back into slavery from the law, in, the, in the law, Paul said, don't be so confident. It doesn't take much to get us off course. You know, it's a little bit of yeast makes the whole batch of dough rise. In the same way, a little deception in our lives can get us off course from running the race that God has set before us. And Paul called God to do two things. He says, number one, keep these Galatians from getting off course from believing the false teachings. And secondly, he wanted God to judge the false teacher. We live in a culture where truth is not a big ticket item. Many think that truth is just a matter of personal preference or personal perspective. But Paul understood something vital about truth. When it comes to our relationship with Jesus Christ, truth is a matter of life and death, not just for this life, but for eternity. 
Apparently, some of the Galatians or the Judaizers had attempted to dilute the truth by claiming that Paul was also teaching that everybody had to be circumcised. Now, that's something he would never do. And as Paul always, Paul always did, he, he never left any doubt about what he said or what he had done. And so look what he writes. Dear brothers and sisters, if I were still preaching that you must be circumcised, as some say I do, why am I still being persecuted? If I were no longer preaching salvation through the cross of Christ, no one would be offended. I just wish that those troublemakers who want to mutilate you by circumcision would mutilate themselves. Well, the New Living Translation tones that down quite a bit, but I think we get their message, right? Paul wanted the Galatians and us to understand this vital truth. It will always be Jesus plus nothing that equals everything. Jesus plus nothing equals everything. Salvation is a gift to be received. It is not compensation to be earned. So Paul had invested the entire letter, letter to this point, arguing that we receive freedom as a gift from God through the blood of Jesus Christ shed on the cross, through his resurrection, through the sending of the Holy Spirit. And now he turns in a different direction. He told us why we've been set free and what that means. He says, for you have been called to live in freedom, my brothers and sisters, but don't use your freedom to satisfy your sinful nature. Instead, use your freedom to serve one another in love. Being freed to be free does not mean that we get to do whatever we want to do. Freedom isn't license. God set us free to serve one another in love. Now, if you're thinking, wait a minute, that's not freedom. Serving other people, that sounds like work. That doesn't sound easy. That's right. God frees us so we can be free to submit to his plan and his purpose. And that purpose was, was given to us in creation. God created us to love him and to love each other, to serve him and to serve each other. Now, here's something that Paul does. It's a move that nobody could have anticipated. All through the letter, what's he been saying? Don't follow the law. Don't follow the law. Don't follow the law. You don't need to follow the law. You don't have to fall back into slavery in the law. And then he finds Leviticus 19.18. And here's what he says. It says this, for the whole law can be summed up in this one command, love your neighbor as yourself. Did you see that coming? If you did, you've read this letter before. You see, Paul had warned the Galatians not to be enslaved again by the law. And then he used the very verse from the law to prove what we're supposed to do. Not prove that we need to follow the law, not prove that we can follow the law, but to prove what our purpose is. Our purpose is to love one another just as we love ourselves. So amazing. We can never live up to the law. We never can. We can never be set free by the law. We never will. But the law itself shows us how we live once we've been set free. We love and serve one another. Paul closed this section by writing, but if you're always biting and devouring one another, watch out, beware of destroying one another. Now, where'd that come from? It's a trans transitional statement. He's moving from the argument he just made to his closing argument about how we're going to overcome this tendency to live in slavery to law or the tendency to, to live in license, in slavery to sin. And, and so what he's talking about is we can't live in freedom from the law and we won't live in freedom by following our sinful natures. The only way we're going to experience the purpose for which God gave us freedom is by living in the Holy Spirit's power. If we attempt to live by the law, here's what's going to happen. 
we're going to bite and devour one another. What does that mean? Well, it means we're going to get puffed up. When we succeed at following the law, we're going to go, look at me. We're going to put others down because we're prideful because of what we did. When we fail, we're going to be depressed and angry and sad. So it's a lose-lose situation. When we seek to live our lives by following the law, we lose in our relationship with God and we lose in our relationship with each other and in serving one another. So if we say, after we say, I'm not going to be in slavery to the law, well, I'm set free from the law. Now I'm just going to do whatever I want. Then Paul tells us what's going to happen is our sinful natures are going to step in and they're going to take over. They're going to take us to, leave, to waste the freedom that we've been given by living our lives in godless pursuits. So right now, I really, really, really want to go on to Galatians 5, 16 to 26 because it's the key to everything. It's going to, it's going to resolve all of this conflict that we've just raised because we're not going to follow the, the slavery to the law. We're not going to follow slavery to sin. So what are we going to do? Well, do you remember back when television didn't have Netflix, when you didn't have DVDs where you could buy a whole season of a show and you had to wait? Like there'd be a cliffhanger and you had to wait till the next week before you could see what actually happened? That's what's happening here. We have to wait till next week for Paul to resolve this conflict of not living according in slavery to the, to, to the law and not living in slavery to sin, but living in freedom. How do we do that? Well, Paul's going to tell us next week. I hope you'll join us. I hope you won't miss it. Um, I hope you'll be here. But before we go, we need to let you know this. The answer is the Holy Spirit. You see, the key that unlocks our freedom to be free is the Holy Spirit's leadership in our lives. That's always going to be the truth. And it isn't enough that we're born again and we have the Holy Spirit. I mean, he's in there. He's in our lives once we're born again. But we have to let him lead in our lives. That's what we're going to talk about next week. But until next week, just know this. It's available. Uh, it's available for all of us. We can live in his power, in the Holy Spirit's power, moment by moment by moment. We're going to need to do that if we're going to fulfill today's next step. Here's the next step. I will exercise my freedom by bringing glory to God and doing good for others. I'm going to exercise my freedom in the power of the Holy Spirit. I'm going to add that even though it's not in there. <laughs> by bringing glory to God and doing good for others. Bringing, being free doesn't mean following more than 600 laws. That, <laughs> that's slavery, right? And being free doesn't mean doing whatever we want and following our sinful desires. That's just sin. Being free means glorifying God and doing good for everyone. And God has given us the freedom to be free to do that through the blood of Jesus and in the power of his Holy Spirit. Thank God we get to live that way this week. So let's bring glory to God and let's do good for everyone. Amen. You know, we Americans really love our freedom, don't we? I mean, most of us think about political freedoms, but the freedom that Jesus gives us is so much greater. And yet, we think that freedom means, as Americans, oftentimes that we get to do what we want. It's really, we're in charge. And uh, it really doesn't mean that. It means pursuing those lives of meaning and purpose where we glorify God and we do good for each other. And we're not gonna do that by nature, but, but if we wanna do it, it starts with trusting Jesus as Savior and Lord. Savior means 
rescuer from sin and death, and Lord means owner. Here at New Life, we say doing that is simple. It's not easy, but it's really as simple as A, B, C. A means first thing we do is we admit that we're sinners. We admit that we have gone off the path. We've either followed that you know, easy life of sin, or maybe even we've sinned by thinking that we could become God by you know, doing enough good by following the law. So we admit we're sinners. B, we believe what I just said that Jesus is Savior. He's rescuer for me personally. He's Lord in my life. He's master. He gets to tell me what to do. And then see, we confess, not only admit to ourselves that we're sinners, but we confess those sins to God. And then we confess to anyone who will listen in a very kind way. And maybe it's even better sometimes to wait till they ask us, what's the change in your life? And we say, oh, I confess Jesus as my Savior and Lord now. He's running my life. That's the difference that you see. So, If you've never done that before and you want to do that today, we're going to give you the opportunity to do that. But before we do, um, we're going to pray together. So we're going to pray. And as I pray, if you want to follow along and and say that prayer, you can do so. and, And you can actually let us know that you've made this commitment by pressing the commit button, commit button after we pray. So let's pray together. Heavenly Father, thank you so much that you sent Jesus to fulfill your promise to Abraham thousands of years ago. And now, thousands of years later, we claim that promise that we can be free, free to love you and glorify you, free to do good for everyone. God, we pray right now. We pray right now. I pray right now that you will be my Savior and Lord. I admit that I'm a sinner. I admit that I have fallen short, that I've pursued my own way for far too long. And I want you to be in charge of my life. I believe these words, that Jesus is Savior, that he has rescued me from sin and death, that he's Lord, that he is my master. I give my life to him. And God, I confess my sin to you. And I know uh, there are many, countless, but I turn them all over to you. And I ask for that new life. And God, give me the courage of your Holy Spirit to tell my friends, my family, everyone that I I belong to you now. God, I also pray right now for all of us who have already made that commitment and are living now in a daily connection to you through the Holy Spirit, that you would pour your Holy Spirit into us in new and fresh ways, that we would bring you glory, honor, and praise, and that we truly would glorify you and serve one another this week. We pray this in the strong name of Jesus. Amen. Friends, it's a great week to be free in Jesus Christ. Let's live that way to his glory and to each other's blessing. See you soon.